Welcome to the Launch Your Live podcast, a show dedicated to providing you with daily, top-level live video tips, tricks, and strategies to not only help you start, but also excel at live streaming. Here are your hosts, Christian Karashevitz and Jim Fuse. Is your live stream generating revenue for your business? If not, here are some ideas to consider to help you monetize your live stream show. On this episode, Jim and I will discuss 17 ways to potentially monetize your live stream to generate revenue and increase brand awareness and opportunities for your business. So Jim, I know money is typically a topic that a lot of people really don't like to talk about, but what we want to do today is we want to help shine the light on a number of opportunities that live streamers can use to generate revenue for their business and help monetize that live stream. So do you have any thoughts you want to share first before we get into this lengthy list? Yeah, I think, you know, there's several things. I mean, everybody, uh, you know, thinks that somehow, you know, we, you jump on a live stream, just like, you know, we're doing too with this podcast and just, you're automatically going to have thousands of viewers and just all these th things are going to happen. Well, I hate to tell everyone, but that's not true. It, it takes a lot of work to get to a point where you're able to monetize things. But we are going to talk about some ways today that maybe you can start monetizing before you reach some of those numbers. The bottom line is, though, that you have to have good content in order for people to even consider helping you to monetize your shows. And I think that's where just people think, you know, everybody's doing it. And the truth of the matter is, everybody's doing it, but not everybody last because it does take a lot of work. And if you're only getting a few cents for doing a show, uh, if you're even getting that, it, you know, don't be making a show because you think that's, what's going to make you money. Hopefully it's just, you, this has got another strategy as to why you're doing it. I think the monetization should really be the last thought, not the first thought. I think that's a great point, by the way. It's the fact that people go into live streaming thinking, that, hey, they're going to start this show and it's going to start generating revenue. And live streaming really just needs to be another vehicle for your business. It's not going to be the end all be all. Yes, a lot of people are using live streaming right now, but the only way it's going to work is back to what Jim said. If you have good content, you have to have good content and you also have to do a good job marketing your show. For example, you can't just, again, just start your show and expect, for example, people all of a sudden going to tune in and all of a sudden they're going to start giving you money. They're going to give you money if they like the content and they're getting value out of it. So, Jim, do you want to talk about, you know, maybe the first way that we think people can use to help generate money for their live streams? Yeah, I think one of the first ways is uh, people can use programs like uh, Patreon uh, or PayPal. And so really... And, and there's another one also called buy me a coffee, but with Patreon, people become in a sense, your they're your fans. As an example, I'm a Patreon for Madeline Scalar. I pay a monthly amount or donate, so to speak to her, uh, show Twitter smarter, her podcast, because I get a benefits from it. 
So as an example, she, every week on Twitter Smarter, she, you know, mentions me in a tweet along with some others that have gone to a certain level. With part of her show, she releases things early to her Patreons beforehand. So it's kind of the same thing. If you're going to create a Patreon, what are you going to give? It's not just a matter of like, you know, hey, Christian, give me five bucks a week or five bucks a month just because you're going to be my Patreon. Because if there's no value in exchange, so maybe you want to create a private Facebook group or maybe you want to have a, you know, private Zoom call once a month where you're your viewers, your fans uh, are able to get that interaction if they've paid that. But you're, you know, you can't just look at Patreon or any of these things as as a way to just, uh, you know, hey, you're going to give me money because, you know, I need it. And so I think that's where you really got to be. Because one, if you do commit to this, you've got to commit to that whatever that is that you're providing them. You can't just create a program and then have nothing to offer as it goes along. Those are great points. And I think off of that, one other thing I think that is important is the fact that when I look at these, I look at Patreon, PayPal, buy me a coffee. For example, these are three very similar models. If I were looking at these, I would say, if I were doing a live stream, maybe the first one I would consider using is maybe buy me a coffee or PayPal. And these are things where somebody can, for example, go to buy me a coffee and they can basically give you a couple of bucks, you know, PayPal, same exact thing. They can, you can give them a link and that link can then, for example, be to a donut, a donut, sorry, not a donut, but a donate, a donate. Page. <laughs> it could be to a donate page where I guess I was thinking the whole coffee donuts thing there, but it could be to a donate page where they can give you again, some money. There's no there's no strings attached. For example, they just send you a couple of bucks. And then the other option getting into the Patreon, as you mentioned, is that's where you really can show your value to your community. And that value, as you mentioned, is maybe somebody gives you, you know, for a couple of dollars. And this is, this is where you start to have to put in the work. Somebody gives you a couple of dollars in exchange for that couple of dollars a month, for example. And by that, I mean, Hey, they might give you five bucks or you could set different tiers. Maybe it's $30 a month. And when they do that, that could give them access to things such as, hey, I'll put you on a special list, for example, where they're going to get value out of it. In addition to that, though, they can go and, you know, they can maybe say, oh, well, hey, uh, somebody that watches my live streams, I'll, you know, maybe your strategy is you take them down after you publish them. Then maybe for people that pay you money, they get access to the live streams that you house on a YouTube channel, a private you know, list or something like that. So um, that's number one in this list. Now, number two is pay-per-view. Now, pay-per-view sounds exactly just like it sounds, doesn't it, Jim? I mean, we're, we're all familiar with pay-per-view probably back in the, what, the 90s and 2000s a little bit. Not as much so today. Um, but basically people, you know, they, they basically pay a fee to get access to your stream. Now, this is where, from a strategy standpoint, it, it comes into, well, if I'm publishing, for example, to Facebook, how do I make this, for example, private? You know, and this is where there are some additional costs involved. You have to put it on your website, for example, maybe behind a password or a paywall or a walled garden, something to that effect. But pay-per-view, and this is, you know, there's a lot of ways you can do this. You can use, this gets you outside of just using Facebook, for example, or YouTube Live, you know, but... You can use services like streaming video provider, decast, in player, and they will 
make it easy for you to do that pay-per-view model. So what do you think about the pay-per-view model? Is that good, bad? What's your take, Jim? I, I mean, I think it it's going to work for some people, right? Like maybe as an example, maybe you live stream a webinar and you were charging people to be a part of that webinar. Now you can repurpose it by having this pay-per-view where for the people that miss that live stream that they pay to be able to access it. So I think, I think it really, it depends. I, I don't think it's a, a bad idea, but I don't know that I would say this is necessarily for folks when they're first starting out. I think you've really had to have established yourself uh, as an authority in whatever area that you're in uh, in order to get this. Cause even, even now at the time that we're recording this, there's a lot of virtual events going on mm-hmm. and quite a few of them are really having to go to a, a free as far as to the viewers, uh, because we're really what that leads into, uh, if you're ready to move on to that is mm-hmm. our next category, which is uh, brand deals and sponsorships. Uh, a lot of times where I think people make a mistake, like say, if you want, uh, you know, when you're having a live stream is that, Oh, I want to pe- have people pay to watch my live stream. Well, it takes a lot of work to sell individual quote unquote tickets and people may not be w- willing to give up that money. But if you can get a brand deal or a sponsorship that can cover the cost uh, that it was going to take you to maybe produce that show. And you got, and you really got to think at the bigger picture, what are you trying to do? You're trying to grow your business. You're trying to build that no like, and trust that awareness. And that's where brand deals and sponsorships come in. But as an example, and I think, uh, like, I think you're wearing some, are those Bose headphones you're wearing? I am. Yes. Those are Bose headphones and I'm using a sure microphone. Yes. Right. And I'm using a Samsung Q2U. Mm-hmm. And so if we wanted to get brand deals with those companies, you you definitely want to make sure it's something you believe in. Because the worst thing that can happen is you're talking about a brand that you really, you've never tried out. You, you, you wouldn't be able to quote unquote, give it a five-star review because if you're you know, your listeners, the ones that become your fans, they're going to trust you. Mm-hmm. And so if you tell them that X product, like, I mean, obviously with both of us, I, I love my Samsung Q2U microphone. Mm-hmm. So if somebody asks me, I, I'm going to, you know, back at a hundred percent, I know you feel the same way with your, the Shure and the, and the Bose headphones and, and everyone knows Bose is a great product, but in order for you to, to get that brand deal, you know, first of all, you're going to have to reach out to the brand. You know, you may get to a point if you're big enough, if you're talking about it, where they reach out to you. But, you know, to me, you have to be genuine about the products that uh, you're going to ask to do a deal with you. And then there's the sponsorship piece, Um, you know, with sponsorships, you know, as an example. And it took us, you know, a year plus. But, uh, you know, Tim and I on the Tim and Jim show, we're sponsored by StreamYard. So we've made an arrangement where, you know, as a sponsor, uh, they're a part of our marketing. They're a part of every show we run a you know, like a little sponsorship thing. We're talk a little bit more about that further in this episode, but uh, you know, what are you giving the sponsor in return for that? A lot of times with these brand deals, you know, that's a little different. You know, you're going to talk about the product they're hoping really, I think in that case to be generating sales. Uh, so you got to ask yourself, is it worth it to do that? I mean, what are your thoughts on, on this category? Um, I definitely think, you know, from a brand deal and sponsorship opportunity, it's it's hard work 
for starters. Like you can't just, for example, you and I know what type of headphones and microphone we use. And it's a very fine line. Like you don't want to just use it just because you hope that the company one day will say, hey, let me actually send you some some kit, some equipment. You know, for the most part, they're not going to even probably know who you are. And so you want to be professional about it but also not, not sleazy, for example. Oh, Hey, I, you know, I love this particular type of product, for example, and just always talk about it. Cause you also have to remember it's your audience as well. Um, I think, you know, really what's important here for brand deals and sponsorships is how you move the needle. So for example, if you want to get a brand deal or a sponsorship, you know, from a really large company, use their product, use it, you know, pay for it yourself and build your business. And then once you've built it to a certain level, it may, and like we said, potentially generate revenue for you. It's not going to, for example, right from the start, unless you're somebody that has the minus touch where you can touch something and Hey, it turns to gold, you know, but in this case, gold, meaning, Hey, it starts to generate revenue just because, you know, and this is where, um, it takes time. So don't just, you know, start your show and say, okay, well, I'm going to like, and this is where I think it's important. So don't just, don't just use the product just because you want to get a sponsorship from somebody. Use what you actually like and tell your audience why you like it, for example. And, you know, right there by building that community brands, I think, and, you know, they'll come to you, I think at that point, or you may want to be reaching out to them. For example, some companies do have a thing where you can reach out to them and ask them, for example, for a product, you know, and they may send it to you for the most part, they're not going to, but they may send it to you. So don't be afraid to try to get a brand deal or a sponsorship deal, but make sure also you have the numbers to back it up. You know, um, don't, for example, like, as we mentioned a minute ago, like you want to go to like, sure, Bose or somebody like that. Like, yeah, you could reach out to them, but if you're, just getting started, for example, they're going to probably be like, well, probably not, you know, they might pass. So maybe the better approach would be to work with somebody smaller and work from the bottom up instead of top down. Okay. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that kind of leads into the next place that I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity here and that's advertisements. And what I mean by advertisements uh, is there's a couple ways you can do this. Uh, I mean, First of all, let's say you're running a live stream where you're talking about your community. Mm -hmm. So if you start to get enough viewership, you can go to some of those local businesses and where it's different than a sponsorship. I mean, you could get them to be a sponsor, but maybe you say, I'll run a 30 second ad or I'll run, you know, maybe a ticker about your business or whatever during my show in exchange for revenue. for for you. So that's, uh, there's a lot of opportunities to run, to run ads. And, uh, some of the things we're going to talk about later to monetize, you're going to have to allow ads in order for that to happen. But I think, you know, before you maybe reach some of the numbers that are required by some of the platforms, you could have your own ads. And some of it may be even as simple as, you know, you could say, you know, this show is, uh, you know, we want to, you know, talk about whatever the product is or company is, you know, the local plumbing company. So, uh, ad, you know, so you can really kind of create your own ads, uh, but you're going to probably have to tell the person or company, they're going to want to know your numbers, right? You're going to have to have so many views. I mean, why would I want to run an advertisement on a live stream that's maybe getting, you know, 
10 to, you know, a hundred viewers a week. I mean, what's your, what's your thoughts there, Christian? Um, I think from an advertising perspective, another thing you have to consider is the fact that when you do advertise, you have to remember some of this can negate other things. So for example, if I get, if I run an advertisement on my channel, then for example, on Facebook, and this is the unfortunate thing, what a lot of businesses will do is they will run a live stream and they will have advertisements, but then they won't disclose, for example, to the you know to the viewer, hey, oh, I'm running this advertisement that because hey, I was paid for this, you know, I received some form of compensation, and that compensation could be something very simple. It could be, you know, they sent me a free product, or it could be also the fact that hey, I'm an affiliate for that company, which we'll talk about here shortly. But you know, when you do bring on advertisers, you want to make sure that you don't just bring them on just because of revenue. Oh, it's generating a little bit of revenue for my business that might be struggling. Instead, you want to make sure you're bringing on the right advertisers because, you know, like, for example, if you're doing a live stream about a particular industry and you bring on like, you know, maybe it's a, I don't think this would be possible, but a gambling advertisement, or, you know, it's somebody trying to advertise a piece of software that, you know, is really not in line with who your viewers are and who your audience is and what your show is even about. There's, you know, there's not good alignment there. And just because you made the money doesn't mean that you should let that person advertise. So you do want to pick and choose who you allow and what you allow on, you know, to advertise. Now in the same vein, moving into the next topic, YouTube monetization is another way that you can make money with your live streams. Now YouTube monetization, and this is primarily for your YouTube live. So basically the way it works is you have to be part of the YouTube partner program, which is what a thousand subscribers, 4,000 hours of watch time, you know, and then you can get into like super chats and things like that, where people can do some of these other things. Like they can send you money through a YouTube live. Now, in addition to that though, the YouTube monetization aspect also has ads. And then this way, somebody can be watching a video and they could be watching your ads. So sorry, they might not be watching your ads. They'll be watching someone else advertising on your channel. Now, YouTube monetization, though, is a great way to generate some revenue. Now, as far as dollars, you're going to have people, if they're really large channels with millions of subscribers, they're going to probably be making a fair amount of money. But it goes back to exactly what you said earlier, Jim. If you get like a brand sponsorship or something like that, then all these other little things are, you know, a drop in the bucket. Like you don't really need the other things necessarily because it's covered by the brand deal or the sponsorship sometimes. And, and I think, yeah. And I think that the, I don't know if I'd call it the danger. Uh, there's a lot of people, you know, you hear it all the time. Like, Oh, I want to get to thousand subscribers. I want to monetize my YouTube channel. But here's the thing. It takes a lot of work to get to those thousand subscribers. It takes consistency. It takes marketing. It takes, you know, using things like, TubeBuddy or VidIQ to mm-hmm. get that SEO so people find your videos. People aren't just automatically going to find it. And so because it's taken all this time, you may get frustrated and never get there. The other danger you have to be careful about in getting to an example, that thousand subscribers, it's just don't like ask people, hey, follow my channel because, or subscribe, because the problem is if they're not watching your videos, you're not going to get to that 4,000 hours. So don't think about you know, oh, I'm going to just get a thousand people and they're all good. Because that's an average of what, four hours a person mm-hmm. of view time. So are they going to watch you for four hours each or more in order for you to be able to monetize? So uh, you really want to grow, I think, that 
genuinely and organically. And uh, I know we've had Rob Balasabas on before and we've talked with him. And one of the things you'll hear the danger in YouTube uh, monetization is don't just go out there and like do a follow for follow. Because uh, a lot of times you're just like, you know, hey, if, you know, subscribe my channel, I'll subscribe to yours. But if you're not watching each other's videos, it's not helping. So, th- yeah, so YouTube monetization, there's a, there's millions of channels, but they're all not making money. And Christian, you you actually have, uh, I think, at least one, if not two channels that have, you know, made this. Yeah. And uh, you're not retired yet, are you? No, no. And it, here's the thing. I mean, it's not like you generate revenue off of it, but for the most part, it also ebbs and it flows. You know, at one point it might be like, Hey, I'm generating plenty. And then all of a sudden something could change. So that's the reason why you want to consider some of these different avenues. For example, if you are using the YouTube monetization feature and Jim, you and I ran into this the other week uh, on an episode of social chatter, my, my live show that I run. And what we did was we played a video and it was just a video of, Uh, It was a YouTube video we played and we were showing people something and we weren't, you know, we weren't misusing the music or any of that stuff. And the video got flagged, you know, and the video got flagged by YouTube because there's a copyright piece that goes along with, you know, YouTube. And so it flagged the video. And then I had to go in and say, well, hey, I'm actually not infringing this. You know, it was a company that said they own the rights to the music. And it's like, well, you own the rights, but I'm talking about it about from a news perspective. So it's not really actually infringing in that point at that point. So, you know, you do have to be careful, though, because, for example, if you're trying to monetize all your videos with ads on YouTube, some of them may get flagged and you never know when they're going to get flagged. So, you know, and um, you just have to be careful. But YouTube monetization, definitely something that I think everybody should, I I think everybody should strive to get that because I think it helps add some validation and some credibility to what you're doing now. But as you mentioned, it's, it's hard work. So you can get the thousand subscribers and you can be very, you know, again, it's going to come back to go back to your original point, make really good content that people want to watch. And then they're going to subscribe, for example, and don't be afraid on your videos to prompt people, but know that the numbers are going to go more exponentially when you publish good content. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You're right. Right on the money with that. No pun intended. (laughs) Now in the same vein. So we talked about uh, YouTube monetization, Facebook live monetization is also an option. You want to talk about this one, Jim? Yeah, Facebook Live monetization. Uh, I, I will just tell you, if you thought YouTube monetization was hard, you look at the Facebook Live monetization aspects. You, you're talking, you've got to have 10,000 followers on your page. I think you've got to have an average of three. The video's got to be at least three minutes long. That's usually not a problem. But then you've got to get so much view time and all within a very short period of time. And so I know from my perspective, and I don't know if you feel the same way with social chatter, uh, you know, I'm not even thinking about it. This is really something for bigger brands, bigger shows that maybe have been really been able to establish this big audience on Facebook. And uh, I just haven't felt like uh, it's, it's something that I'm pursuing, uh, you know, I would almost say if you're looking to do something, go with YouTube first before Facebook. I, I sometimes almost feel too like Facebook, like, oh, let's do this because YouTube is doing this. And they've 
just made uh, to me the barrier to entry, so to speak, right now is much higher with uh, with Facebook Live monetization. What are your thoughts on that, Christian? Um, I definitely agree with you from a Facebook perspective that it's very hard to monetize that presence. And I think part of it is this. It's the fact that if I go to YouTube, I go to YouTube to watch a video. We, we talked about this thing with Diana Gladney, I think. And, you know, we go to YouTube to watch a video. We know exactly what we're going to get. We go to YouTube and we know where to find videos. When I go to Facebook, it's not easy to find this. It's a, you know, not to knock Facebook here, but it's, it's very difficult to find things on Facebook. You know, sometimes something will show up in your feed and then, you know, that's, that's a great opportunity, but a lot of times it doesn't. And then you have to know, well, where do I go? And for the most part, people don't know where to go on Facebook to find any of this stuff. And so they're kind of doing it just because I feel, you know, because other people are already doing it. Um, but I think at the same time, it's a, it's a very hard thing to get through. So, but for Facebook, you know, live monetization, I mean, they have the things, the stars program, like they've, they've got a lot, they've got some stuff there. Obviously the capital is there. It's just a matter of making sure that it's the right place for you. And again, I mean, this is a list, this list of 17 items. These are suggestions to help you monetize your live stream. We're not saying that you need to use every single one of these items. You know, it's great to have options, but you want to make sure you're also monetizing on the right place. Because for example, if you, you know, if YouTube monetization, it's already hard. Well, Hey, I want to do Facebook monetization. That's even harder, you know? And if you're not necessarily established, it's hard to go from one vehicle and all of a sudden, Hey, I'm going to speed up now and I'm going to, you know, move things forward. Cause it doesn't always work, uh, depending on the platform, like just cause Facebook has the users, Hey, the discovery part is hard. So, uh, that's Facebook Live monetization. So I'm going to take number seven in this list, by the way. And this is uh, pre-roll, mid-roll, and post-roll ads. And basically, these are just ads that you can play at the beginning, the middle, and the end of your broadcast. Now, if you're a YouTube partner program participant, so this is the YouTube monetization aspect, you can run pre, mid, and post-roll ads through that program. And there's some other ones as well that they have. But these types of ads can be a great way to monetize your live stream. Now that one in particular, all you do is say, Hey, I want to monetize my YouTube channel. Once you get to that level, there's a button that says, do I want ads on or off? And then when I turn them on, I can choose the location of the ads. And then what I want to do is I don't just want to run the ads. I want to then actually go through and, you know, if I'm making a 10 minute video, I don't want to have five ads in the middle of this video or throughout this video. That's a lot of ads. I might want to run one or two, maybe. But if I'm running a longer form piece of content, I might run three to five ads. So there's options there. So you have to kind of consider that. Now, in addition to that, though, you can also sell these types of ads yourself. And this would be something where you work up some sort of partnership and again, this is sort of like a brand deal or sponsorship side of things, but this is more you selling space on your live stream. Now, back to Jem's point, though, with this option is, well, you need to have the numbers. So I need to go back to somebody and say, well, hey, I have X amount of people actually tuning in. This is how long they're tuning in for. This is how long my show is. And be honest and truthful with your viewers. You know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people will just kind of give fuzzy math and say, well, hey, I can't really get that information. You can get the information. So, um, you know, so if you're going to run ads, this is where you can go back. And this is where you as the business owner can work with 
you know, maybe a small business or small to medium business versus like a really large corporation. And you can bring in some of those potential advertisers, you know, and then just charge them like maybe a monthly, you know, fee, for example, to be on your live stream. Now, keep in mind, though, not everyone's going to want to do it. And don't, uh, you know, don't price yourself just because you had one show like that did really well and all the other ones might have been really poorly. You know, you want to just make sure that you're basing your value off of what you're able to you know, contribute. Well, and here's and here's something else to be careful about with ads. I think, especially in, I would say, in our society today, people don't like ads. I I, I have to tell you, I have to laugh sometimes because, uh, you know, we we use uh, YouTube TV now, and you're able to like uh, record a lot of your shows, and sometimes we'll like purposely wait to start watching them, mm-hmm. and so my wife will get frustrated sometimes because she'll say like, "Can we fast forward?" Like, no, we're watching this live, so people don't necessarily like ads when they're watching something. Mm-hmm. So you need to be careful about how many ads you put into your live stream because you're taking away from the viewer's experience or the interview or whatever you may be doing. And so one thing to do, and I think we've talked about this uh, in a previous episode as well as look and see if you start having drop-offs post-production in viewership is that happening when you're running some of these ads? Uh, you know, are the people coming back? So just be aware of that, that uh, as much as you might think like, oh, well, ads is going to help me. Uh, it may also hurt you. That's that's a great point, actually. You know, making sure that you go and you review your analytics, for example, because your analytics are going to tell you where are people dropping off. And keep in mind, by the way, for example, if you're using YouTube and you're running YouTube live, this is pushing you to your YouTube channel. You could do the same type of things that you can do for a pre-recorded video that you upload. And, you know, that's things like uh, have the ability to optimize the video for search. You know, so if you're doing a live video, don't worry. You know, don't just think like, oh, it's it's going to be out there and it's not something I can change. You can optimize that, that live video because it goes up as a video on your channel once it's finished. In addition to that, though, you can change the ads. You can also look at the stats and see where are people dropping off? How long are they watching for? For example, if I'm running a one hour show and people are watching for like two minutes, maybe I want to consider doing something else because that's a lot of time. It's not just a one hour show. It's a one hour show plus all the prep time that goes into it. So make sure you go and you look at the stats. The data doesn't lie. The data is where the key thing is at. It's going to help you learn, you know, what you should and shouldn't do necessarily uh, for your content. So Jim, you want to take number eight here? Yeah. So you can, you know, it, I don't know, it sounds weird, but right. You can just ask people to donate or send tips. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different programs. Uh, You know, I think there's even one I've heard of. It's called like tip jar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, it kind of reminds me of like uh, the musician you'll see out on the street corner where he's got his uh, guitar case open, like, you know, Hey, throw me a couple bucks. And and some people may be, uh, be fine with that. Me personally, not something that I would do, but if you've got that uh, kind of personality where you don't mind asking people to uh, to give you some donations, I, I think they're willing to do that. But to, yeah, so this is another great way, you know, maybe maybe these tips are enough to be able to allow you to afford your live streaming platform or some other thing. But I wouldn't necessarily uh, think that you're going to get a ton of money. Uh, but then again, maybe you want to do a... Um, episode where you're generating donations for a cause but here's the thing where you need to be careful about if you're going to do this you better be genuinely 
donating to whatever cause you were talking about because if people go checking and they find out it wasn't true you're going to ruin your reputation in your business so whatever you're taking these donations for especially if it's not something that's coming directly to you like you were talking about earlier in a sense christian with full disclosure just be aware that uh if you're trying to scam people you're going to get caught very good points. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of options here. I mean, there's, you know, some of these are similar to the ones we talked about at the beginning, which were, you know, Patreon and PayPal and buy me a coffee. Like that was like setting up almost like a sort of like a, sorry, Patreon is like a membership ish type site. These are more things like, Hey, I want to ask somebody to just donate some money, PayPal, Streamlabs, GoFundMe, Kickstarter, YouTube super chats where somebody can pay, you know, a couple dollars to get mentioned during your live stream, uh, Instagram live, obviously like making sure you mention, during your show, you know, mentioning people, but having them donate. Um, there's also like a cheer feature on Twitch, as we mentioned earlier, Facebook stars, the tip jar feature that you mentioned, you know, along with a few other ones. So we'll put that in the show notes, but you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for the donation, but you also have to make sure here's the other thing. If you are asking somebody, and this is like, it's like a domino effect sort of, if you are asking somebody, for example, to make a donation during your show, and let's say you're trying to also do YouTube monetization as well. You can't really do both. So you kind of have to, you know, you have to look at it. Like, for example, if you want to be able to monetize the video, let's say, so let's say you have a sponsorship and you want to monetize the video with say YouTube monetization, they will, they will ask you, and sometimes they actually might recognize it automatically. They will ask you, Hey, do you have a brand sponsorship here? Because if you do a brand sponsorship, then it might force them to turn off the, YouTube monetization feature for that particular video. Again, it's about transparency, as Jim mentioned. So in addition to that, by the way, so in addition to all of these different donation options, the ninth item in this list, there's something called affiliate links. So Jim, we talked about this earlier. And basically these are where you have signed up for a program with a company. For example, you may have signed up for, uh, let's see, can you think of one offhand by, by the way? Yeah, actually, StreamYard has a, has an affiliate link now where if people sign up to use the StreamYard software, you get a you get a small percentage. Uh, there's a lot of uh, software companies I know uh, that that do this, um, and then of course Amazon has what they call their associates mm -hmm. program, where you can get an affiliate link. I believe Apple still has an affiliate program as well. It's a little bit harder to get uh, get to work for you, but yeah, you get these links and you can share them out. And if people click on that link, they're able to, uh, you know, if they purchase something through your link, you're able to uh, get, uh, get a little bit of money. It's not, uh, you know, it's another one of those things that it's going to take a, a lot of clicks of that link to, to make it worth your while. But, uh, but you know, a lot of times too, and that's where people talk about, you put these links maybe in your comments of your YouTube channel, because you can monetize that YouTube channel before you get to the the partner level by using affiliate links. If you're talking about uh, products and it may be even some services that offer that. Definitely. And, but the key thing here is, and you'll see this on YouTube, you'll see people say, Hey, the links are in the description of the video. Most of the time that means it's an affiliate link. Uh, they just want you to go click on it. But again, here's the thing. If they're producing really good content and they're helping you tremendously, it might be worthwhile clicking on that person's link. You know, but keep in mind, most of the links, even the stuff you read on the web for the most part, most of them are affiliate links. You know, people uh, do have to disclose that. But again, it's it comes back to disclosure. So you can use this to monetize your live streams. But at the same time, you want to just make sure it's not just 
slinging, you know, links all the all day, for example, or just ways to monetize. Really, it's about having a sound strategy to, you know, generate. You know, like these are ways to help you generate revenue for your live stream, but you want to have a sound strategy for your live stream to begin with. So affiliate links. Number ten on this list, by the way, is driving traffic to your website. So we talk about this a lot that you should build your you should build your home on something you own and you own your website. Now, I guess if you're on like a wordpress.com or, you know, it's a non self-hosted site. So wordpress.com or like maybe I think I can't remember if bloggers still around, but if you have something like that, you don't necessarily own the platform and you know, that it's on. However, you can drive people back to your website from your live streams. The great thing here is that, it presents opportunities. So for example, it's a way to get people to learn more about your content. They can learn more about the services you offer. They can learn about what you do. In addition to that, they can also learn more about who you are. They can also potentially then at that point, if you have like a retargeting pixel on your website, they could potentially be retargeted, you know, based off of what they viewed on your website through a Facebook ad. But this is a great way to generate revenue for your business, especially if you have a product a really good product. So I would say, you know, driving traffic back to your website, make sure you do that. And don't just put all your eggs in one basket and say, well, Hey, I'm going to just drive everybody back to Facebook. Well, here's the thing. You don't own anything you put on Facebook. So, um, I would focus on driving them back to my website. You can also get email signups. There's a lot more you can do there, you know, which can then get them into that funnel to then get them to maybe buy a product or to support you or to learn more, or, you know, maybe just general goodwill. So, Jim, anything you want to add on number 10? Well, yeah, because if you're also doing things like using like whether it's the Facebook pixel or, you know, also Google Analytics as well as, uh, you know, even LinkedIn has a, a tagging feature you can build into your website. You're going to be able to tell if your show is driving traffic to your site for one and two, when you want to retarget these people, maybe you want to run an ad on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever these people maybe have never been to your Facebook page or your LinkedIn. Now you're going to be able to capture those people that visited your website, maybe off of your live show. Definitely. You know, love the points there. So do you want to take number 11, by the way? Yeah. Uh, creating a membership program, uh, you know, so many of these things. And of course, like YouTube, once you get to a certain level, you can build a community, uh, you know, Twitch is another one where you get people that uh, start to follow you. Uh, but maybe you want to create a membership program where you actually kind of create this gated thing and you have a, you know, uh, people have to pay to join the program, but this kind of goes back to the similarity, but I would say probably even in more depth than say Patreon is what do I get out of being a member of your program? You know, if I'm going to be giving you something, uh, you know, what it goes back to what value are you adding, uh, by people paying to be a part of your membership program? Is it, is it coaching? Is it, you know, uh, gated video content? Is it uh, other sorts of, of stuff? And so, uh, you know, you really want to think about it because this is going to create its own, you know, set of time and other things. And so, yes, we want to have, in a sense, multiple streams of income as a business, but, uh, you know, creating a membership program can be a, a daunting task. You know, you may end up having to get someone to help you administer it because if you got people in a membership program and they, 
send a question, they expect an answer, uh, you know, in a, in a reasonable amount of time, not when you get around to it. So that's something to, to consider. And so maybe before you go to a membership program, maybe you want to start out with some groups, like you could have, you know, Facebook, I would probably recommend Facebook groups, maybe more so before LinkedIn groups only because LinkedIn groups still don't seem to have that functionality. But to Christian's point in number 10, you're sometimes on rented land with some of these groups. And so even with a membership program, where are you going to host it? Because you want to own the people and the content. So just something to consider. And uh, anything you want to add there, Christian? No, I don't, I don't have anything else I want to add as far as the membership. I mean, well, I guess maybe I should just add that we talked about Patreon at the beginning, you know, and it's the same type of thing. Like that's sort of like a membership program, but it's not exactly the same. So their membership is more, I pay X amount of dollars to somebody per month and the person might give me stuff, which might be a community such as a membership site, or it might not. It might just be, hey, I'll give you access to all the recorded videos on a YouTube channel. That's a little different because there's not a whole lot there. you know. So you really have to kind of look at what you would be getting. But I think membership sites, I mean, again, they're also, they're tough to build, but they can be successful if you do a good job at helping people. Again, it comes back to content. If you provide good content and you're always giving great advice, people are going to want to actually work with you. you know. And then that's going to get me into number 12 here, by the way. Number 12 is um, to create and sell your own merchandise. And there's a lot of companies for this. For example, there's Teespring, Custom Inc., Social Identities, and so forth. And so the way that these work, um, well, basically, if you're on a YouTube channel, you can potentially add a merch store and it shows up underneath your videos. So people can be watching your content and let's say you're wearing a t-shirt that they like, they can then go buy that t-shirt based, you know, if you have the merch option on your channel. So uh, again, this they could also buy coffee mugs, hoodies, you know, all that, you know, uh, tumblers, all that sort of stuff, basically branded content for your business. But again, it's one of those things where when you work with some of these other companies, they will actually produce the content for you versus the other side, which is if you want to do that yourself, you don't have to actually get a press, for example, to be able to make it all. So uh, definitely something worth um, considering. Again, though, you are going to have to get to a certain level, I think, for that one, because it does cost money to you know have the designs made and the designs are great. But then if you don't have viewers, then it's kind of wasting money. So I would definitely say keep that in mind anything you want to add on that one jim yeah and i think just a couple things because this is something that i've looked into so like if you want to go to a promotional products company Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have to probably get a minimum order quantity and and also as as you brought up christian right you're going to have to pay maybe to get your logo or brand put into the right format for whatever the products is. And as, as great as it might sound like they're like, Oh, I'm going to get coffee mugs. Well, coffee mugs cost a lot to mail. So it's, it's, you know, it may cost just as much to mail the mug as it is to buy it. So, you know, that may be one of those things where maybe if you have a Patreon at a certain level of Patreon, that's where, that's like one of the things like you're, you're in a sense going to maybe have a break even month where, I'm going to give all these people a coffee mug for joining my Patreon program, but know that they're going to continue to be uh, a Patreon beyond that month. So then maybe that makes a little bit more sense, Uh, but just be, and then the other thing you want to make sure you think about with your merchandise is the quality. 
the last thing you need is to be having people buy merchandise and because it's out of your control in a sense you're not the one that's producing it they get uh, an item that just you know is not high quality and then that reflects poorly on you so just be aware of that you know in trying to get merchandise out that uh you know people are going to look at that it's a reflection of you what they're getting in their mailbox so uh, just something to be aware of very good points especially on the merch i mean i will say this merchandise is expensive if you're buying a handful of pieces because for example you're getting custom work done and then if you're only, for example, going to buy like 10 pieces or 25, and this is where you have to look at it. If I'm going to buy, let's say I'm going to buy 25 pieces. So if I want to do a test, you know, it's a very fine balance. Do I want to have a hundred pieces or 20, 25 pieces sitting in my house or my office, for example, and I can't move those pieces. And cause here's the thing you might pay seriously 20 to $25 a shirt. For example, if you're going to give away a shirt at that volume. However, if you, you know, if you're successful and Hey, you're ordering this, you know, it's, it's all about like, um, it's all about volume. So it's why, for example, Hey, why are places like Walmart or Costco, or even you can even look at large companies like Apple, for example, why are they able to, you know, control that, uh, that market because they buy in such volume. So they buy huge amounts of things, or in some cases they have, you know, they have the business, the model that works. People will go and they will buy, you know, they'll buy up a lot of supply of something. So then they don't have a problem, you know, knocking a couple of bucks off of something versus in your case, if you're not doing any volume, you're going to pay specifically for the product and you're going to then have to charge even more. So that 20, that shirt that, you know, oh, it should be $10 or $15. It may cost you 20 to 25 because you're only buying a handful of them. And then for you to resell that, you're going to have to charge 40 to $50. I don't know about you, but I'm not paying 40, $50 a t-shirt unless it's a really fantastic t-shirt. So, you know, you do have to keep that in mind, but um, you can create and sell your own merchandise, but it is going to be something that, you know, you're going to want to maybe wade into, you know, if you don't have the active community on your live stream may not be the right thing to experiment with. Maybe you, for example, right now would spend for one piece, you'd buy yourself a piece and maybe buy a couple pieces you know, a handful of pieces just to have on hand, but you have it because, Hey, if you're out and about, it's a great way for you to promote your business. But if you're just going to like give away that, just remember you're giving away a lot to a customer and not necessarily getting anything in return. Okay. So we talked about merch. Uh, what's number 13 on the list, Jim? Yeah, you can do create a coaching program, uh, offer to teach some classes or offer, uh, lessons, which can be, you know, even recorded as part of your live stream program. I mean, you know, uh, some of you may not realize, but that's one of the things that Christian and I do. If you need help with live streaming, that's something that we're able to do as well. We can help teach you or coach you. Uh, we do have consulting and, uh, it'll also be in the show notes, how you can contact us for that. But this is a great opportunity for you to showcase your expertise and work with people either one-on-one -on -one or one-to-many. In fact, sometimes I would almost say like the coaching is more of a one-on-one -on -one thing where the teaching is maybe a one-to-many, like maybe you offer a class mm -hmm. and you're going to, you know, 
and, and the people pay for that class, uh, or you could have a series of lessons as well. Uh, so really a, a great way to, to take that live streaming and say, I'm going to go in more depth, but I'm going to do it separately from whatever that live stream show you did. But, uh, you know, because the biggest thing I think that we sometimes struggle with is, you know, unless you're a rocket scientist, a lot of what everyone talks about is not rocket science. So when you tell people a lot of the basics, they could get that in a lot of other places. So if you really feel like, and a lot of times people want to learn from you because they like your personality. Mm -hmm. They like the way that you come across. So, you know, there's many people in a lot of these spaces. And the question is, how do you stand out that people want to work with you? And I say a lot of it has to do with uh, consistency and there's quite a few people that have built uh, successful businesses and careers just by by getting into this area. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a, a great uh, point. And I think the key thing there you made is just the fact that people want to get into maybe doing some coaching, but they have to make sure that they're bringing the value. You know, it's very easy for them to think that they're offering coaching, but hey, they're really just giving people, you know, they're not giving a secret sauce. It's literally just, hey, they can go Google it themselves and find the answer. And you want to make money off of that, you know, so just keep that in mind. Um, I think in addition to coaching and teaching and offering lessons, I mean, I think that, you know, just also offering a little bit of support. So sometimes people can offer technical support and that might be an add-on, for example, as well that you you know put in your business, and and sort of that's it's sort of like coaching, I guess. But sometimes people just you know they need that help. I mean, they might need help, like hey, reviewing a strategy, for example. But it's something where um, if you're good at what you do, I mean, it's a it's a great add-on for your for your business and your live streams. But it's something also that um, you also have to look at this. People, they, there are a lot of subscriptions out there for things, and so you have to really set yourself apart from other people. Um, we're not discouraging you from, from doing it, but, um, definitely, you know, coaching or teaching or offering you know, lessons. I mean, it works great over live streaming. You know, you can send them a recording, you can, you know, you can just broadcast to a Facebook, a private Facebook group, but, um, definitely, you know, it's something to consider, but something that it also, again, takes a lot of work. Okay. Now, number 14 in this list, this is specifically, I mean, so there's, there's different forms of live selling. So the item is live selling. And basically, there's, for example, there's a feature, there's a streaming platform called BeLive. They have a tool called BeLive Live Sales. It's quite a mouthful there. But what that does is it allows you to actually pull up a product on a live stream, and then it's essentially a clickable link. Now, you can do something very similar during your live streams without using that software. For example, if you're using StreamYard, StreamYard has the ability you know, to put up a banner. So if you have various points throughout your live stream where you want to actually do some selling of something, almost like QVC sort of. You bring up the product, you talk about it, and you can have the links and whatnot there. Um, does that make, make sense, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, another one that uh, has started doing this, but uh, you've got to get uh, approved to the program, that that involves uh, getting your, your social networks up there is Amazon mm-hmm. has started doing that as well with uh, <clears throat> with their Amazon Live program. And uh, yeah, exactly, exactly that. Uh, they have a carousel. And as you uh, talk about each item, people can click on the link to that carousel yeah. and it allows them to buy stuff as well. But that's and that's within the Amazon uh, ecosystem. But, yeah, I think I think your other examples of ways to do live selling. And I know Facebook, I think, is now rolling out uh some sort of live selling feature uh, as well. And that's what kind of goes back to everyone's trying to get into this 
this business of how can we monetize while we're live and uh but you still got to remember, right? You got to have a lot of people watching in order to make it uh, worthwhile for, for people to click on those, those links. Oh, definitely. And uh, so let's get number 15 here. We got just three more items, but number 15 is uh, conferences. Do you want to take this one, Jim? Yeah. So I, I think uh, the, what we mean by here is, uh, you know, it, it, as being a part of a conference, you get an opportunity to get in front of people, talk about uh, your area of expertise. And so sometimes people are going to pay to be a part of this conference. And maybe if you sell some tickets, you get a, a portion of that. But the bigger thing I think to, to hear is that you're going to get the ability to get maybe the emails of all the people that attended. And I think really here too, we're talking virtual conferences because right now that's pretty much what's, uh, what's going on in, uh, in our society. And, um, but this is also another great way to showcase yourself with a group of other people, maybe in a specific field that uh, allows you to share your expertise and build that, uh, build that awareness. Anything you want to add there? Um, I'd say this. I mean, the, the hard part about conferences is if you're trying to do, you know, they can, they can take on many different sizes and shapes and things like that. And there's lots of tools as well to help you with that. Um, but Running a conference, I mean, the, the key thing I think is going to be, if it's going to be all virtual, so a virtual live streaming conference, there are free tools out there, there are paid tools, um, you're going to want to, you know, that's going to, it's a lot of work to build a conference, um, you know, and so if you're a solopreneur, for example, I'm not discouraging you from building a conference, but you also have to look out there and see, okay, well, if everyone else is building it, so they're, they're a little different, I guess, if I'm doing a physical in-person conference, which obviously we're not doing at the moment with pandemic and what's going on. But if I'm doing an in-person conference, these are, um, I'd say they're a little, well, I think in-persons are a little easier than a, an online virtual conference. And so part of the, the reason is that, well, if I'm going to do an in-person conference, there's very specific venues that people often go to, to do these. However, if I'm doing a virtual one, there's going to be a lot of virtual conferences at that point. Because they're not they're not not necessarily exclusive, and then it's going to come down to does that company provide really good value? Do I actually learn things? Do I take things away? It's not just about the networking, you know. The networking is important, but it's not. You shouldn't have to spend thousands of dollars to do networking. Great point. So you know, um, and a lot of people they think that oh they should, but you know, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna go there this show. But um, you know, from a conference standpoint, I think if you're going to do the the online or virtual conference, it's something that you're going to have to really set yourself apart from others on because there's a lot out there. And for everyone that wants to charge a lot of money for a paid virtual conference, there are a lot of really good free ones out there. You know, I know, Jim, uh, I think uh, Gore Pulse, they've got a, a Twitter conference, I think, coming up. Yeah, they, they do. I think they do these now about quarterly. They call them social pulse summits mm -hmm. and each one focuses on a different topic. Yeah, like you said, the Twitter one coming up uh, that, uh, that I'll be speaking at uh, and it's free to all the uh, attendees, but they, they get a lot of value. So you, you got, you got that, that you're competing with. And uh, you know, cause they look at, you know, a lot of these bigger companies, right. They're in this for the long game. They're not like looking for, uh, making the short term bucks and they get sponsors, they get giveaways. And so these are all ways too, that if you can uh, tie that into your conference, you can definitely generate uh, more uh, 
excitement and, or, and FOMO, the fear of missing out, especially in the uh, virtual space. Definitely. And, and lastly, about conferences, just real quick, I mean, to that point, that conference, for example, is free because it's the company putting on because they know that the return is on their product itself and on their social media management dashboard. You know, but then on the flip side, you've got other companies that, hey, they're charging to tr- trying to charge what, like, was it 500 bucks or something like that for a virtual comp- an online virtual conference on the same thing with the same speakers. So, you know, really it's, uh, y- you know, you have, you have to kind of weigh where you're going to get the most value, you know, 500 bucks. Hey, that's, that can be a pretty substantial investment you make in your business potentially. Um, as opposed to, cause you can get the material for free for the most part, but conferences, definitely something you can consider for monetizing your live streams. Now, another thing, number 16, I'm going to take this one real quick, Jim selling products. So, you know, we talked about this, this sort of, I guess, plays off the conference aspect as well. Like for example, if I'm a Gore Pulse, I'm selling my social media management dashboard through my conference or every time I'm doing a live stream, people start to see it and start to want to learn more about the actual product that that company offers. So if you don't have a product, for example, chances are you're going to probably just try to make your money off of affiliate links, you know, or YouTube monetization, some of these really like lower tiered ways to generate revenue uh, for your live streams. So um, selling a product, though, definitely something that I think people should work on doing. Um, Jim, anything you want to add on that one? Like, is it hard to do? What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would just say be careful uh, in becoming too salesy. I mean, it's great to want to sell a product and try to generate a little bit of revenue, but uh, you know, if if your show becomes nothing more than you're selling stuff all the time, that tends to you know goes back to how are you adding value, and so maybe you don't always you know. And I know Christian, you do a great job of this as well on social chatter. Is that you know, you can, you know, say, Hey, if you want more information, I've got a link and, you know, or, and you disclose if it's an affiliate link, but, uh, but just be careful about getting too salesy, unless that's what your show is about where you're selling stuff, because maybe you have a, a brand deal or, or something along that lines that that's, that's part of your deal, but then you'll have to see how many people you actually have uh, watching your show. If that, that continues. Definitely. You know, and so, um, number 17, is to launch your own live streaming platform. Jim, do you want to take this one? Well, yeah. So this is this is a fascinating thought. Um, you can actually, you know, tie into your website and there's some other private, if you want to call it, live streaming platforms that you could have your own live streams that you own. I mean, other than paying for the, the cost of hosting in that nature. And so this may be something you want to do because you don't want to be on Facebook. You don't want to be on YouTube and you may be concerned about some of the things and you still have to be careful. I think in general, uh, you know, a lot of times, and we're going to be talking about this on some future episodes, like people want to do music mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of times you got to worry about, you know, copyright infringement, uh, you know, and, and rights like that. So you may want to have your own private platform that is basically uh, has a firewall that the only people that can get to it are the people that you give access to it so that you can uh, avoid some of that. Uh, and, and you may just have some content that you don't want people to be able to search and in a sense steal from you because there's definitely people out there 
that will do that. So that's a couple reasons that you might want to to do that. Uh, any, anything you want to add there, Christian? Um, I think just the key thing is if you do want to go that route, you know, to launch your own live streaming platform. I mean, there's lots of services there. You know, it it also I guess if you think about it like this, you're building the house, and so if you want to launch your own live streaming platform, put it behind. Your website, put it on your put it on your website behind a paywall, behind a password, because then the person has to create, you know, and I'm not I'm saying this because this makes sense. Like you then have to have somebody creating login. So if they're really interested in your business, they're not just tuning into your content. You know, they're gonna go over to your website, they're gonna create a login, you know, they're gonna give you a real email address, and you know, don't spam them, for example, with a whole bunch of junk. You know, make it a very nice like onboarding process, like bring them into the fold you know, show them the value that you can offer. And again, that's where, and you again are building this on something that you own versus building this on rented land, rented land that like, I like to give the, I guess this example, you know, Jim, when we first like get started, for example, we go to college and we get done with college, you know, what, what are we doing? Chances are we're living on campus. You know, sometimes we might start to venture out and get our own apartment. And then the next thing we do, we graduate. What's the next step we take for the most part, people aren't buying houses. You know, they're renting an apartment. And then once you get to a point where you feel like you've made enough money, for example, then you may start to buy a house. And then as you start to expand, for example, you may need to buy another house, a bigger house. You may need to buy an office, for example, because, hey, that bedroom that you're using may not suffice. So I want to give that example, I guess, in terms of launching your own live streaming platform. Start small, you know, pick some of the items that are on this list to help monetize your live stream, to get you going at least for the time being. And then as things are moving along, then as you're successfully growing, for example, if things aren't working, maybe you need to consider some other things to do, but try a couple of these items in the list. For example, the very basic ones, affiliate links, you know, drive traffic back to your website, for example, set up the PayPal, the, you know, the let people make donations, you know, try to get some brand sponsorships and some, you know, deals, for example. And then start to just, you know, work your way up to these things. So level up your live streams. But um, I want to thank everybody. You know, this has been a fantastic episode, I think, Jim. I mean, I know we've been running a little bit longer than we normally do. But um, I want to thank everyone for joining for episode 35 of the Launch Your Live podcast. This week, we discussed 17 ways to monetize your live stream from, you know, the very basic beginner all the way up to the more advanced options for live streaming. But remember, if you need help with your live streaming, contact us for a consultation by messaging us on our Facebook page. That's at launch your live. And for more information on this episode, head to launchyour.live forward slash EP35. We'll see you all on a future episode. Thanks a lot for listening. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Launch Your Live podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit launchyour.live for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to even more episodes that will help you level up your live videos. That's launchyour.live. So until next time, keep going live.